0: this thing on? Cool. Hi, and welcome to the next episode of Uncultured Podcast. I'm your host, Crippa, here to add a little bit of colour to your wigs. I can't believe I'm saying this, but this week's guest is Dipinda Chipper. She is a finalist on this year's MasterChef, the 13th season of the show. One of the biggest cooking shows in the world and definitely the biggest in Australia. She is an absolute legend. Um, This episode was recorded prior to her elimination. She came seventh, I believe, and um, is just absolutely killing it. And she's a name to watch out for in the culinary world. It was a pleasure interviewing her and really understanding her relationship with food and how it's impacted her. And I think as South Asians, we can relate to food being such an integral part of our culture. And I think she's just taking it to a whole nother level with her creativity and skills. Because of COVID lockdowns in Sydney at the moment, I haven't had access to my regular mic. So the sound quality isn't amazing on this one. But Dipinda honestly steals the show and I have full faith that you'll enjoy it uh, regardless. So Yeah. I'm really excited. Let's let's dig in. Here's Dipinda. Dipinda, hi! Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, how are you? I'm wonderful, thank you. You look very relaxed. Um, it's a nice change from the under pressure, go go go, Dipinda we see on our screens.
1: Yeah, I know. It's it's quite stressful on the screen, um, but I'm much relaxed now at home, um, at ease as well. So, yeah, it's been good.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Is it weird
1: seeing yourself on screen? It doesn't actually feel strange, to be honest, because I lived through every single moment that you guys see on the screen and, um, you know, some days are like over 10 hours like of filming. Um, I feel like I've lived through it and I'm just watching it. Because it's on TV and because the rest of my family and friends are watching it. At first, when I did see myself, I did get really excited, but I got over that very quickly because um, you know the challenges you start your brain starts to work in a different way. so um, yeah, it's been yeah, it's been good. I think my family is very excited to see me on TV. I
0: just can't imagine the novelty of that wearing off. Um, tell me, were you ever worried, Dipinda, when you signed up for the show? That you would be portrayed in a certain light that you may not have necessarily been comfortable with. At the end of the day, MasterChef is a reality TV show, I guess. Um, was there any concern around that? Or were you kind of just focused on the food?
1: Look, I don't think anyone has ever looked bad on MasterChef, um, to be honest. I think um it's the way the show runs. And I guess the purpose of the show is to elevate, you know, food. I don't think the purpose of the show is to you know, portray a person in a certain way, I think the dishes speak for itself. It's very easy to judge a person on screen, but, you know, it's the food that is judged. The judges don't actually, you know, they know very minimal about our personal lives and they they stay away from that because they, they judge the food and not the person. And I think that is the fairest way to um, kind of, you know, lead a cooking show. And I think that's why it is what it is.
0: You're right, I guess I've never thought about it that way. MasterChef does a very good job at depersonalising contestants and making it very much food-centric and a platform to exchange culture and to celebrate diversity through food. I guess food is such an integral part of a lot of our connection to our culture.
1: Was MasterChef always a goal for you in your food journey? I had never really heard of MasterChef Australia. I don't think it was there when we lived in India. I mean, I was 11 when we moved here. So I was very young. Most of my time here in Australia, I've spent watching cooking shows, especially MasterChef. And uh, like it started like 12 or 13 years ago. So I would have been a teenager in high school. And I think that's when it really kicked off for me. And I didn't, I thought it was an Australian thing. Like I didn't think that it was global. Like I knew our old judges, um, Matt, Gary and George, they're very well-known in India. Um, And even the new judges are making their way into the Indian market and everyone loves them. And I don't know if it's COVID or the fact that everyone's home, they're all watching TV, like a lot more TV than usual, or it's like, it's always been a big deal in India. I mean, it's come to light that there is a big market for MasterChef Australia, in the Asian subcontinent and especially countries like India, Pakistan, like it is absolutely massive. I'm actually getting quite a few people messaging and like, they're like, oh, we're really proud of you. Um, We really like the way you're elevating Indian cuisine. And there was one particular message and I haven't saved it. Otherwise I'd read it out to you, but it was, um, this doctor who's working in Chennai, which is south part of India in Tamil Nadu. I think she was an anesthetist. And she said, I've been working, you know, in the COVID ward for the last few months and coming home and watching your episode is the best part of my day. And I I, I showed, yeah, I know. And I almost had tears in my eyes when I read that. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is that is so impactful, like we're able to make such a big impact on these people's lives, especially in India with the COVID cases going through the roof. If, you know, you can put a smile on someone's face, and this was just one of the few that I received. Um, there was a lot of them where, you know, little kids are dressing up like me and they're sending me pictures and videos of their kids. They're pretending to play like, you know, MasterChef like at home. And that was so cute and that was really um flattering as well. I think little kids are like the most honest, you know? So, you know, and they, they've got a heart of gold. So they, they love you with all of their best intentions. You know, they've got no um, malice. They've got no negativity, you know, their judgment is based on how much they love you. And the fact that they're making videos and sending them through to me, or they're dressing up like me, like that, that was like, these are some of the examples of the messages that I've been receiving on social media. So it's been like a crazy response. And that's what made me realize how big, you know, MasterChef Australia is in, in, in India. Yeah.
0: That must've been so validating. And you're right. Like when kids say it, you know, it's right. They have no filter. I've had so many experiences as a child where I've said things that I wasn't supposed to say, or my parents don't want me to say something. So when they say something good, you got to believe it, especially when they're dressing up as you and idolizing you. I just think that's incredible and so incredibly validating as well. I think what struck me and a lot of people in general your viewers and people in my own personal circles is how relatable you are you seem like you're just one of us what sets you apart what kind of propelled you to pursue food on a national stage where
1: did that passion begin um I don't ever not remember liking food or being interested in food and the way it's cooked um I guess when you're a kid you have a lot of distractions you know you've got your cousins you've got you know friends to play with you've got other important activities to do um for me it was I was the oldest um on both sides of my family. So I used to always um, be running around, you know, my grandparents. I was very spoiled for choices as well. Like I got whatever I wanted as a child. I wasn't a fussy eater basically. Like I ate all vegetables. I ate everything, whatever was given to me, I would eat it. And it would be the humblest and the simplest of all veg- You know, vegetarian Indian home food. I would eat it. And my grandmother is a very, very simple cook. And, you know, we lived with them. And I used to always ask them questions. Why does it taste like this? What if you don't add enough of this? Is it going to still taste the same? So my questions were like extremely inquisitive. And coming from like a seven or a six-year-old, they they were quite shocked as well. Like, why am I asking them so many questions? On the other hand, I was quite fortunate to be able to um, visit my maternal grandparents who lived in Gujarat, which is like the western part of India. Like my mom's mom, she was an incredible cook. Like she was like the opposite of my other grandma. Like they're both incredible, but very different styles. She made Gujarati food. She made home Punjabi food and she made, you know, sweets. She made pickles. She made everything. So I got to Experience that side of things as well. And when I used to go over to their house, I would actually sit with her and watch her make those pickles. So I've got vivid memories of helping her out in the kitchen. It's the nostalgia that I carry with me. That's kind of what led to solidifying cooking as a passion because I've got all these vivid memories and times that I've spent with my grandmothers, my aunts, my mum I think most of the memories that I have with my family in India is around food and around cooking. And I know. I can, you know, just count on the tip of my hands quite a few things that my aunts have taught me and my grandmothers taught me, or certain things that I've learned from different people. Even on the show, I made quite a few things that were so nostalgic to me. A lot of the homestyle food that I cooked was um, very much stuff that I've grasped from, you know, my aunts and grandmothers as a child. Like, like they didn't teach me as an adult firsthand. It's the memories that I have, and I watch my mom do it, and. It's all trial and error now. Yeah. Right. And how did that
0: kind of all translate into the next level in terms of, all right, I love food. I asked my grandparents questions. I asked my auntie, my mum. But now I want to take this seriously and go on MasterChef Australia. When did you kind of feel that needle move towards wanting to take it to the next level?
1: I, To be honest, I never really thought about, Um, cooking on TV as much as, you know, as as strange as that sounds. Um, Because for me, it was more about um, just following footsteps of previous MasterChef contestants, because I look up to them like stars. I mean, even now, if I saw someone, I would be fangirling. Like I met Sashi for the first time a few weeks ago, and I introduced myself. I was like, hi, Sashi, I'm Dipinda. And he's like, I know who you are. And I was like, oh, this is such a weird feeling. I loved the show so much that Um, I didn't really think about, oh, I'm going to take this to the next level. For me, it was just trying to be part of the show. I don't know if you're
0: allowed to talk about this, but what was the application process like for you?
1: So I filled out my application about three times, two or three times before I actually submitted it. The first time I started filling the application, out, I saw how long it was and I gave up there. And then the second time I filled it out, but I never submitted it because I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm good enough for this. I really want to go traveling this year instead. I was just thinking of other things that I want to do. And the third year, I think that was COVID. And I tried to apply. But I think that was the all-stars season and I couldn't apply. And then finally, after COVID, I was like, this is it. It's now or never. I'm just going to go for it. And I'll just see what happens. So I applied for it and I didn't even tell my husband, like I didn't tell anyone. I just kind of applied and I was like, yeah. So like a few weeks later, I was like, yes, I've applied for MasterChef, but they haven't really reached out to me yet, but it was early days. And out of the blue, I got a phone call and I was just ecstatic. And that's just step one of a hundred. So yeah. And the rest was history. So I think I never really thought about taking it to the next level, but they, like I said, you know, your passion for cooking, like my own passion for cooking as well as baking and the fact that I was fortunate enough to travel the world with my husband, you know, we experienced a lot of different cuisines. We experienced a lot of different foods and we're very keen foodies. Like being a foodie isn't about blogging. It's about appreciating food. It's about appreciating the experience. Yeah, the experience in itself.
0: Yes. I do remember reading about how traveling was such an integral part of growing your love for food. Um I can imagine it's particularly influential because I guess in a lot of Indian or South Asian households, generally, sweeping generalization here, we are exposed to mostly just our own food. And so I guess travel is that thing that exposes you to a whole plethora of different cuisines. Can you tell me about that? Like, what do you remember? What trips really left a mark on you?
1: One particular trip, which has influenced a lot was um, we went to Nepal. um, I think it was end of 2019, just before COVID. We went to Nepal and then we traveled through to the south of India. Um, And I think that was an eye-opening experience because I've never been to Kerala. My husband's never been to Kerala. And I absolutely love Malayali food. Like I've got friends that are Malalis and I love their food. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to go all out. We went on this houseboat where you can you can stay for two days and you have your own chef, like who cooks for you. And that was like the ultimate like luxe experience that I've ever had. And, and it's not, you know, it's not expensive or anything. It's just the experience. Like they make simple Malali food that they would eat at home. Like super luxe seafood that we get in Australia, like lobster, crab, you know, massive king prawns, those things, they catch in the backwaters, like just casually. So I was like, whoa, this is unreal. The boat docks at this, you know, really nice shop, this in the middle of nowhere, there's backwaters on either side of it. And you literally get off, you buy your seafood and it's fresh. You you can just tell it's fresh. And then they cook it for you that night or the next day. Like, that's the kind of experience I had and I think that really motivated me to start cooking with a lot of things that I have never cooked with and it gives you confidence as well um so yeah I mean all those experiences kind of just pushed me into applying for MasterChef because I was like there is so much I can do but I just don't know if it's good enough for a tv show or anything like that but I kind of had to just put that behind and not think about it you know it's really easy actually to get caught up by the cameras and things. And it's quite difficult to just put that all behind you and take it as a challenge. That was something that we all learned very quickly.
0: So Dipinda, it's really clear that you're a foodie. How does that tie into your everyday life? I Pre-MasterChef, there was obviously a balance in terms of this is my full-time job and this is my hobby or my passion What do you do for a day job, first of all?
1: So as a day job, I'm actually a pharmacist. So I've been a pharmacist for almost 10 years now. I was 16 when I first started working in a pharmacy and I was the cash-out chick at at my local pharmacy and my dad was the pharmacist. So he got me that job, followed my dad's footsteps. I really enjoy the sense of community and the sense of belonging. So I started working in a community pharmacy And then uh, eventually I broadened myself to getting a job in the pharmaceutical industry. I worked as a senior medical affairs associate. That was my last job before MasterChef. I actually didn't quit my job because I wasn't sure if I'd get onto the show and I didn't know how long, even if I did get onto the show, how long I'd be there for. So when I left work in, you know, end of last year, I told my managers, I'm like, look, I'm probably going to be back in a couple of weeks. So just, just hold off for now. Like, don't freak out, please. Yeah. And then six months later, they're like, hello, what's so what's going on? And I was like, I know, look, this has lasted a lot longer than I even thought um, it would have, but just letting you know, I'm still around. I just need some time to make up my mind. And I think when I came back, I didn't want to quit my job as such, but I just wanted a break from my job. You know, being on MasterChef is like a life-changing experience, Um, but it's also quite heavy on you as a person. It's quite stressful. And I think coming home, you need to just decompress, figure out exactly what you want to do before you make certain calls. So I think I needed, I desperately needed that time off. So I did, I did actually resign from my job a couple of months ago.
0: Oh, wow. Congratulations. And how did that feel?
1: It felt, it left me really vulnerable because I was, I've never been like without a job ever in my life like I said I've had a job since I was 16 it did leave me quite vulnerable because I was like oh you know I really need to hurry up and figure out what I want to do
0: yeah I can I can imagine that vulnerability would have been like completely enhanced because at that time it's not like people knew who you were because you were still in recording you hadn't gone live and you hadn't kind of amassed the following that you've amassed now you couldn't have known. Touchwood, it's amazing that your success is so clear. But at the time of resigning, you couldn't have known that or predicted that.
1: Exactly. Like I resigned early May and at that time the show had just started airing. And I was like, Look, I need to I need to decompress. I need some time. And I think my husband was he's very smart when it comes to these things. He's like, you know, you need some time off. You need to actually take your time to figure out what you want to do next. And I think Rushing into something isn't going to help you at this stage because, you know, you're in two state of minds. You know, you're on TV on one hand and on the other hand, you know, there's your career that you've had for all these years. So you need to really think about what you want to do. Now that you've resigned, does that mean you'd go into food full time? I always wanted food to be a part of my life. And at the same time, I don't think I can ever stop being a pharmacist. I think taking this break is really helping me realise what exactly I want to do, in what direction I'm going to go. It's about making the most of the opportunity that presents to us as well, you know.
0: So you mentioned, dipenda that you came to Australia at the age of 11, having grown up In India, in your early childhood years. And so as someone who's been brought up between cultures, how has being part of the diaspora affected your cooking and your personal style?
1: Um, That's a really good question because my style of cooking is, you know, it's authentic Indian, but then I try and experiment with Indian flavors into desserts and baking. When I was in high school, I think it was towards the end of high school, I I started to bake cakes. And I still remember the first cake I baked. um, I forgot to put like, I think it was like soda bicarb or baking powder or something. It was just like an eggy, like a slab of egg and flour. And it was like, it was disgusting. It was not edible. And, And my poor brother ate it only because I was like, oh, I've made a cake and he's like a few years younger than me and he got excited and he ate. He's like, oh, this is really nice. This, I'm like, this is disgusting. Please don't eat it. But he was a kid and he's trying to like, you know, make the most of whatever I'm cooking because it's either that or it's mum's like home food, you know. I really started to um, get into baking and making a lot of pastas and making a lot of things that are non-traditional Indian, um, when I was in university because I was living out of home and I wanted to do things that are easy, quick. And as I got older, I met my husband and I started doing a lot of like proper baking. Like I would do like cakes and cupcakes and those kind of things and macarons and like tarts, whatever, you know, he would say. I would bake it for him basically. I discovered a whole creative outlet for myself. I started incorporating Indian flavours into those things. Um, And I think the last few years I've just been – cooking a lot of traditional, authentic Indian food that I have never actually heard of. For example, kheer. like I've I've never tasted, I mean, I know what kheer is, but I just never ate it. Like I just never got around to tasting it. Like I had no idea what it tastes like. So I just experimented, made it quite a few number of times. I would say more than 15 times I would have probably failed. I finally, you know, tweaked a lot of recipes to come up with a recipe where I, I know that it's going to work. Instead of serving it on its own, I served it with, like, you know, a halva ice cream.
0: Oh, my God. Carrot halva ice cream. That is so interesting. For listeners who might not be aware, carrot halva is a very weird mix of savoury and sweet, but it's ultimately a dessert.
1: It, it honestly, it, it made sense to me at the time when I practised this dish at home. I was like, what well, can I serve this with? And I was like, oh, actually... It would go well with this. Why don't I try making an ice cream out of something like that? And I could not search for um Gajo Hava ice cream online because there wasn't such a thing that existed. I tried searching for it, so I had to literally make it up myself. Um, just because Indian cuisine comes naturally to us, that there is a technique in that too. And I learned this on the show: tempering spices, balancing those flavors, like that is technique, but because it comes naturally to us, we underestimate you know that side of um, technicality in in cooking, and we you know value more when we think about French desserts and those kind of things. But it, it it is all the same. That kind of food is what I do. Like I make a lot of traditional food, but at the same time, I like to give it a twist, especially when it comes to dessert, because there is so much that you can just do with it. I think it's brilliant.
0: How do you think that home cooked Indian food is perceived, and what do you want to change about the perception? I guess. I know that a lot of people would think of Indian food and instantly think of curry and that that's the only thing that exists. I also think that the rusticness of Indian food is always dismissed as something that can't be gourmet.
1: Um, Again, that that is a like a fantastic question because that is my purpose. Being in Australia for so long, almost 20 years actually, there was no such thing as indian street food up until like five years ago and even now i don't think it's become mainstream there's a lot of chefs in australia there's a lot of restaurants and kudos to them because it's very hard to change the perception of indian food which you know encompasses a butter chicken a korma biryani and that's about it
0: and it varies state by state
1: it's exactly right I think what I wanted to do through the show is to showcase regional Indian cuisine, which is what you've just mentioned, like different states and their food. I think there is just so much you can do with Indian food. You travel 50 kilometers and your cuisine's just changed. Of course, biryani, everyone loves it. Okay. Of course, butter chicken is one of my absolute favorites. Like it, it is my, it is my complete gem. I mean, but there is just so much other stuff that you can do. You know, there's a whole coastal side of India that has its own cuisine and it goes from the south all the way up to western side and that's all the coast region and they all taste different at a global level I think Indian food you're right like it's known everything is known as a curry and to be honest I've I've said this in interviews before I don't take offense to the word curry I think it's simplifying the way you explain it to them there's a lot of chefs there's a lot of foodies out there that will be that will completely disagree with me and then say that you know it's not just a curry. And I agree with that. But for someone who is unaware, I think it's a good starting point. Curries are known to be delicious.
0: I mean, just because it's a curry doesn't
1: mean it's a negative association. Exactly. Absolutely. I think it's a positive association because curries are supposed to be packed full of flavor and deliciousness. I have never said the word curry and people are like, oh, I don't feel like curry today.
0: Yeah, you're you're absolutely right in that. If anything, it does simplify a food group. It's like noodles. Noodles vary from cuisine to cuisine, yet we can kind of put them under an umbrella term of noodles so people know what to expect. And if we do the same thing with a curry, I mean, I don't see why not. As long as we are given the opportunity to expand on that and describe what the curry entails or what kind of flavours it entails. I think that's a bit of our own internalised, when I say our, I mean any South Asian, it's just this internalised fear of our own kind of reputation or the reputation of our food.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. I think, I think there is no harm in calling things a curry and just explaining to them what it encompasses and how it's made and how it's different to, you know, the curry sitting next to it basically. And I think, I think opening up those doors, um, will be very challenging, especially in Australia, because, you know, we've got, there's a massive influence of Southeast Asian food. And I've always felt that, you know, I want Indian and, you know, for example, Sri Lankan food to be as mainstream and it's not all spicy. It's not all going to give you heartburn, you know, like there's a lot of other associations with it. Um, So it's just, I think it's really important for all of us to think about Indian food with an open mind. And I really, like moving forward, I really want to write a cookbook where I'm simplifying these flavors for people living locally in Australia, people that aren't familiar with Indian food. And if I can simplify that food, if I can simplify those flavors for people and people not get intimidated by the word spice.
0: Yeah. And all Indian food isn't necessarily spicy.
1: That's right. Spice is just like an umbrella of flavors. Spice is not equivalent to chili. So
0: I'm really excited for this cookbook.
1: <laughs> I think that there is
0: just so much that you you'll be able to offer in the food world. and I'm very excited to follow your journey. How have you kind of separated? your hobby from your job i guess it, it it's it's towing the line and trying to strike a balance between something that you love so much are you worried about turning food into a full-time
1: thing and g- getting sick of it um, i yeah i kind of agree with you there when people say that you know make sure a hobby is always a hobby and it's not a chore but at the same time i think a hobby is different to a passion so if you're really passionate about something Like I am about food, I I honestly sit there thinking about food all day. It just depends where you're at with your passion. If you're passionate about food, you know, if it's something that you think about all day, if it's something that you look forward to, I mean, why would you not enjoy that? If I could wake up and cook or wake up and research food or write about food or make food videos, and I spent my nine to five job doing that, I would be more than happy. I could not ask for a better life. I'm not saying that I'll cook twenty four hours of the day. I'll spend my entire day cooking all day, every day. That is also not true, but um I think when you're thinking about something constantly looking forward to eating a particular type of food and you're itching to cook it, like you know that that is a bit more than a hobby.
0: Like I mentioned earlier, Food is such an integral part of South Asian culture. It kind of, the aromas are what connects us to home, remind us of home, are very nostalgic. What message do you have for South Asians in the diaspora who are worried about losing touch with their family recipes and their culture by extension through
1: food? I think the only message I can give them is to open up that communication you know, with your family, with your friends that cook that food that you love. I mean, you don't have to cook those recipes on a Monday or a Tuesday night, but write them down. My biggest regret is probably that I never really got to write down recipes from my grandma who's now passed away. She made some like exclusive, like luxe food. And I'm still trying to, you know, I ask my mom, I ask my aunt, and I'm like, so how did she do this? And we all try and come up with a recipe, but we can't get it, we can't get it right because we, none of us learned it from her. So I, so I think it's learning those recipes from the older generation in your house and, you know, if your grandparents are overseas, call them up and ask them. I, I guess parents don't voluntarily give out that information because they think that kids are busy, they've got so much going on in life. Um, but I think I would also encourage parents to share that information voluntarily, you know, irrespective of who's asking, who is isn't.
0: I think we also take it for granted and assume they're always going to be around.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's a part of it as well. I mean, I, I did that with my grandma and she, she didn't stick around for too long. Um, But I did get to experience, like I still remember every single thing and how it's supposed to taste, which is why when I try and make it at home, I'm like, no, this does not taste the same. I haven't nailed it. <laughs>
0: well, Depinda, just before we wrap up, tell me about your journey on the show itself. What's been the most surprising to you as a contestant And what have
1: you enjoyed? Um, My journey on the show has been like, like, you know, amazing. Absolutely. Like I, I, I don't know, I don't have words to describe it because it's, it's been an absolute adventure of a lifetime and I'm so grateful for it. And I'm actually so glad that I applied. And that's what I say to the viewers as well. I mean, if you guys want to apply for it, there's never going to be a good time. No one's going to reach out to you. You have to go to them. Like I didn't, I went in with very low expectations. So um, I think initially every cook that I had, I was taken by surprise because I was like, wow, they actually like this. I make this for dinner at home. I never learned from a chef. So when I'm cooking for, you know, chefs and food writers and food critiques, I mean, if they say this is good, then it must be good. Like I've never really cooked for a pâtissier and said, um, hey, try my shoe pastry and tell me how it is. You know, I've never, (laughs) the person that tastes my food is my husband. Did you expect to make it this far? Absolutely not. I did not think I would even get a white apron, let alone make it to top 10. Um, I think I had small, like short goals. Like I was like, oh, when I was in top 24, I was like, okay, I just want to make it past top 20. And then I was like, okay, top 15. And I was like, okay, now I'm so close to top 10. I just want to make it to top 10. So I think, smaller goals really helped me and I think as a person I work that way there there could be some people that are like oh I just want to get in straight into the finale I never thought like that because I know the work that it takes to get there but also there is a bit of luck involved as well there is only so much that you have control over so making it to top 10 I think I was I felt quite relieved once I made it to top 10 because getting there was really hard
0: (laughs) I think you've already far exceeded everyone's expectations. Um, You've got fans all over the world. Other than the cookbook, what else is in store for you? What's next for you?
1: I think the cookbook is probably my biggest things that I've been wanting to do. And I wanted to do that even before I went on to MasterChef. I think something else that I really want to do is I want to open like a small seated restaurant where I'm serving traditional food. Um, And I don't want to mass produce this food. I want to be able to do it myself and I want it to be small and niche. And that's what's going to make it so special. For me, this is not about making money. This is not about any of those things. I think it's about showcasing the food that I've cooked. And I want to be able to cook that food for people wherever I'm living in Australia. I want to be able to cook that, that kind of food for the local people. And I want them to come and experience it. And I, I want it to be like a small seated restaurant because I want to be able to interact with every single person that walks through the doors.
0: Yeah, it's more personal that way. I would absolutely come to that restaurant and I think so many people would acquaint little Indian or South Asian restaurant is absolutely what this part of town needs Um, I'm very excited Dependa I think that's all we have time for it's been an absolute pleasure sitting down with you and asking you about your journey and I'm really excited to see how you go I'm rooting for you we're all rooting for you (laughs) Um, and thank you thanks for giving us your time Oh, thanks. You're so sweet.
1: <laughs> Look, I just want to say a big thank you to you, as especially organising this wonderful chat. It's been really good. And I, I felt so comfortable talking to you as well. It didn't feel like, you know, we've spoken for the first time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and I, I do get carried away talking about food. So I apologise for that if I did that at all. Um,
0: it just shows how passionate you are and honestly I've just been chilling here you've just put me in a trance uh with your passion and love for food
1: like I can talk till the cows come home when it comes to food and I just keep going and going but um thank you for being so patient I just want to say one thing for people listening to the podcast if there are people out there that are, like I said, intimidated by cooking Indian food. I mean, reach out. There's people like me that are around. Make use of us, you know? Like I would love to make food videos. I would love to share recipes and I'm going to be doing that. And also I would like to say that if you think you're a good home cook and, you know, you want to apply for MasterChef, I mean, applications are currently open. So go for gold. There isn't, like I said, there isn't going to be a good time. You think this is your time, you know, this is it. I mean, look around us. Um, no one knows what tomorrow holds, so just go for it.
0: Yeah, there's never gonna be a right time, is there? Absolutely. Just let
1: let the show decide if you're ready for it or not.
0: And where can people find you? What's your
1: Instagram handle? So my Instagram is Depinda underscore. Super simple. So reach out to me. Um, I've got a Facebook as well, which goes by Depinda Chibar, Master Chef Australia. So you can, you know, message me via either of the two platforms and Literally, I'm here to help. If anyone needs any help, let me know. Thanks for having me, Preepa. Thank you.
0: Thank you. You can follow us at Uncultured Pod on Instagram, and I guess we'll see you next week. Bye.